Hey everybody, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church. I'm so glad that you are spending some time uh, with us this morning so that we can worship together. We can sit under the teaching of God's Word. Uh, we can tap those keys or twiddle our thumbs and chat with one another and be in each other's lives. Even if it's just for 45 minutes or so, I'm really glad you're taking out the time to do this. And it's so important that we do. Uh, we are in a series called At The Movies, one of my personal favorite series that we do every single summer where we look at some of Hollywood's biggest blockbusters and we try to pull out some spiritual truths. I, I love this series because it's a fun and creative way just to proclaim some uh, gospel truths that we can apply to our lives. So it's been a lot of fun um, doing this. So today we're doing a movie called I Still Believe. Would you guys let me know in the comments, have you seen this movie yet? Have you seen it? It's all about uh, Jeremy Camp. It's based on a true story uh, of Jeremy Camp. If you did see it, would you let me know, did you enjoy the movie? If you liked it, it was a real tearjerker if you, if you did. Uh, so this movie is all about Grammy-nominated artist Jeremy Camp. He's a very well-known gospel singer, Christian artist. Uh, chances are you probably have heard some of his songs. If you tune to any Christian radio at all, you probably are familiar with some of the songs, even if you don't know his name. Uh, let me give you guys some examples. Uh, I Still Believe, which is the title of the movie. It's one of his most popular songs. Walk by Faith. What about Overcome? or My Desire. Uh, these are all songs, and trust me, if you don't know them by the titles, if you just listen to a few seconds of the chorus, I'm pretty sure you've heard some of these songs. He's a very popular, very well-known, very renowned uh, gospel musician and artist, and this movie is all about him. In this movie, it tracks basically his journey on becoming a Christian singer, artist, uh, or songwriter. And in this journey, he discovers and he meets the girl of his dreams, who just so happens, her name just so happens to be Melissa, who just so happens to be the name of the girl of my dreams as well. And so he meets this girl, Melissa, and she rocks his world, right? And he falls in love with her and he's pursuing her and desires to get to know her better and uh, to enter into a relationship and eventually get married. Well, in this journey, they, as they fall in love, they discover that she happens to have a tumor in her stomach. She's rushed to the hospital, uh, and it just turns out that that tumor actually tested to be cancerous. And that cancer is stage three and has already begun to spread to other parts of her body, including her liver. The diagnosis is grave because it seems like the girl of his dreams doesn't have very much longer to live. Their world is rocked. And in their journey, they wonder why. They ask questions and they ask themselves that question. Why? Why is this happening? They have a slew of different types of emotions. They're between being scared and being fearful to being challenged and having all these doubts and fears and questions because of this situation. Their world is rocked. Did you ever feel that way? Have you ever had your world rocked in that sense? Maybe you've asked yourself this question, like, why is this happening? You felt like your world is being turned upside down and you feel scared and you feel fearful and, and you have all these questions and these doubts. Maybe you too discovered that you have a sickness or perhaps you were laid off from your job 
Or, or maybe uh, there's this family strife that's going on. There's this, you know, people that you love very close to you in the family, in your close family or extended. And there's all this fighting and bickering and arguing. There's all this strife that's happening. There's relationship issues, perhaps, with that significant other. Or in, uh, in your marriage, there's all this issues and arguing and, and all this strife that you're dealing with. Perhaps you're struggling financially. You've struggled financially. And you've had to deal with that, with the loss of a wage or lack of money. Maybe it's even personal, emotional hurt. You know, for some of you guys, this is not a far off memory. It's not something that, you know, you experience once upon a time. It, perhaps it's something that you're experiencing right now. Because after all, right now we find ourselves in the crosshairs of a pandemic. We're dealing with quarantines and sickness and there's the fear of this sickness there's social isolation as we are having to be social distance and stay at a distance from one another and that that plays a number on, on us as we're not meant to be living in such isolation normalcy is out of the window the routines you know going to the gym working out eating right everything has been turned upside down every time every sense of normalcy every type of routine that we've had in place school is not going to be the same my kids are are going back to school September 2nd, but they won't be going into a physical building. They're going to be beginning, once again, remote learning. So even that is not the same. The job is not the same, so on and so forth. What about locally here in New York City? There's social unrest. There's a rise in crime. There's guns on these streets, you know, that akin to the New York City of the 70s and 80s that's happening right now. There's bad police and community relations right there's so much going on innocent lives are being taken every single day there's all this going on all this calamity you know and perhaps you wonder why perhaps you think to yourself like why is this going on why is this happening why is this happening to me why am i going through these challenging times right you're thinking to yourself all these questions and maybe among those questions maybe you're even having questions of faith like what is god doing why is God permitting this? Where is God right now? And what is He going to do through all of this? These are all legitimate questions. And let me just tell you guys that those questions are okay. You know, God is not in heaven saying, man, why are they doubting? Why are they having these questions? He's not rocked by your questions. God is okay with your questions and even welcomes them. And as a community, as, a follow, as followers of Christ, as, as the body of Christ, we want to tackle these questions and we want to try to answer them. And today we're going to allow this movie to kind of frame you know, our next couple of discussions. And we're going to talk about this because I really believe that God's word has some encouragement. So if you're, if you're ready, you can take notes, write this down. Number one is that challenging times are inevitable. Challenging times are inevitable. Now, perhaps this is something that you don't really need a reminder of, right? You're like, Danny, I know it's inevitable because I'm going through it right now. And I understand that. But it is true. And however, maybe you do need the reminder because oftentimes when we're going through it, it's, it's so easy for us to think to ourselves like we're the only one that's going through it. You ever thought that? Like, man, nobody else can relate to me. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody else understands the struggle. Everybody else's life is fine and dandy and I am going through it right now. No one understands. And that's why it's so important that we even have this reminder that challenging times are inevitable. You see, challenging times or suffering in this world is inevitable. It will happen. I say this all the time. You've either just gone through it or going through it or you will go through it. I mean, I remember saying that just weeks before the pandemic and it's true now. And look where we're at.
We're all going through it. That's, it, it is inevitable. Challenging times, suffering, difficulty. It is inevitable. It's just a matter of when. There's a passage in the, in the scriptures where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was talking about the suffering to come. He was talking about the suffering that they would go through and the difficulties that they would go through and the persecution that they would face. He was even hinting at his own suffering and how eventually he would be returning to the Father, which meant that he would have to go, uh, you know, the journey of the Via Dolorosa, right? Of the, of the, the struggle, of the challenge, of the crucifixion. And he was talking about these challenging times, and he said this. We read it in John chapter 16, verse 33. Would you guys read it along? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. If you guys like to take notes in your Bible, if you're journaling or following along in the notes today, I would invite you guys to go ahead and underline where it says, so that in me you may have peace. That you may have peace. Because you see, this is what I'm praying for each and every single one of us today. I'm praying that we might experience peace. That despite all the calamity, all the noise, all the challenges, all the suffering that we see in the world and happening to us, I'm praying that we might experience peace peace that we might experience a supernatural peace that can only be downloaded straight from god that it makes no sense because of the calamity we see all around us but it's a peace that as the scriptures say and paul says in philippians chapter 4 that it's a peace that surpasses all understanding in other words that it doesn't make sense but we experience it and we have it because of jesus and the peace that we can have jesus says is because he has conquered the world in other words, what that means is that the battle is won. We may be in the middle of the war, but the battle is won. And Jesus is victorious. And one day, all is going to be restored. Every, all of mankind will be redeemed. There will be the redemption of sin for all, for all mankind, for all those that have put their faith in Jesus. That one day, like we mentioned last week, that there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering. And Jesus has already won. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life. He died the death on the cross for your sin and for mine. And he rose from the grave so that in his victory, we too may be victorious. And that's what he's saying by the fact that he has conquered the world. Challenging times, guys, are inevitable. But I'm praying that we might have peace in it. Now, the question you might be having is, while these challenging times are inevitable, what is God doing through it? What is He doing in my life? What is He doing in me and through me throughout this process? I've invited Hunter to help us answer that question. So if you're ready, would you welcome Hunter? And he's going to continue the message from here. So in this movie, we get a small glimpse of Jeremy and his wife's uh, story and the things that they've gone through, their challenging circumstances, um, from the picture-perfect life to their uh, diagnosis to grief to pray, prayer to praise. And so we see this constant journey of, of, of working, of God working in their lives. And so that's number two in our notes. God uses challenging times to work in you. So he's working in us during times of suffering and, and challenging times. Um, and so this is very important because this means that there's purpose in our pain. There's purpose in our suffering. Um, and this sets Christianity and our faith apart from 
atheism from agnosticism because on that end, they would say, we would both agree that there are suffering, there's pain in our world. Um, but they would say it's random and it has no meaning. God, on the other hand, has something different to say about this. He is using our pain and our suffering, our challenging times, to do something in us. And so we, we find in James 1, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so this is huge. Uh, there is something about suffering and brokenness that causes and forces people to look beyond their immediate circumstances. It, it makes our gaze go to heaven because whenever we realize that um, we don't have control of the things that surround us, that maybe our life isn't as perfect as we planned it out to be, then we have this moment of reckoning where we, we become dependent on something outside of the world and outside of ourselves. And so... Um, we look to God when things start to crumble around us. Um, take, for example, 9-11, September 11th. Take a diagnosis, cancer, just like in this story, um, COVID-19. These moments in our lives and, and culturally have, have weight to them. And we've seen over and over again that when these events happen, um, people cry out. People who have never even stepped foot in a church cry out, what is happening? They know that our world is broken. And so uh, I think we can all resonate, and I think a lot of people have resonated with this verse in Psalm 10, and it says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Isn't that how a lot of us feel? That's our first response is when things don't go our way and, and challenges come our way, where are you, God? Why did you abandon us? What, where are you? And that's, that's the question that David wrote, King David you know, the great King David, he wrote these words at, at a low point in, in his life and things that were happening to him. Um, but we're not alone in asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Um, if we look at a biblical narrative, we find these characters, Job, Joseph, Jonah, King David, Paul, Peter, and we could go on and on. Ultimately, even Jesus asked the question, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? And so, you know, we're not alone in that questioning, and I hope you take comfort in the fact that even the heroes of the faith came to a point where they, they were faced with challenging times and suffering, and they still had these moments of doubt, and so we can wrestle with that. Um, ten of the disciples were martyred. They were killed because they followed Jesus, but these biblical figures trusted Jesus whenever he said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, and so God is doing something in whenever our pain comes. Obviously, he, he's used these figures of the faith to do cr uh, amazing things for, for his kingdom. And so in this verse in James, when he says, consider it great joy when you experience these trials, um, he's writing to a people in a, in a Christian faith who have been killed off because of their faith. They're separated from each other. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. We're separated right now. Um, and so they're isolated and, and they're really questioning, is it worth it to keep going? And so he says, no, guys, consider a joy that you're experiencing these trials. Um, not, and, and notice he doesn't say, just put up with it until you die, until you can get to heaven. Um, he doesn't say that. He says, it's a joy. And I know that's, that's a little bit, it's not a bumper sticker 
verse, count it all joy. You know, someone comes with you with a problem. They say, man, would you pray for this? You don't immediately say, oh, well, consider it joy, you know? Oh, that diagnosis, consider it joy. Um, it's not an easy pill to swallow. But we even see in Hebrews, we read that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So there is something happening in our pain and our grief as it relates to joy and that the joy that's coming and the joy we can have in the midst of our pain. So James writes that the suffering we're enduring, the challenges we're facing are creating something. It's testing our faith and it's producing endurance. And so what is this endurance for? It's, it's making our faith stronger. It's always fixing our eyes on Jesus because when we can't control things, that's where we go. And so God is doing something in our challenges. So what do Job, Joseph, Jonah, King David, Paul, and numerous other heroes of the faith have in common? They had a hard life for the glory of God. They were faced with challenges. They were killed because of their faith. We see how Job's faith increased, how at the beginning he said, Lord, take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And then at the end of it, he has become and developed a character in him and a, a reverence for God to say, wow, who am I? Who am I to answer to you, Lord? And so these are the things that God is doing in us. He's working in us in our challenging times to make us more holy, to uh, fix our eyes on him. And so God is using these challenging times to work in us. He's softening our hearts. Um, he's tearing down the kingdoms we've built for ourselves and pointing us back to his kingdom. Um, instead, of, instead of saying, this, is, this might sound crazy, but instead of saying, when will this be over, when challenging times come, when suffering comes, would we dare ask, where do I see you working, God, despite these challenges? Would we ask that about him? Because if, I think if we ask him and we are not looking for an escape immediately from this pain and suffering, but saying, God, where are you working? Because he's working in times of suffering. What would we see and how would our faith change because of that? God uses our pain to shake us awake to the reality that he's all we need. He shakes us awake to our total dependence on him, even when we think and we've gotten sidetracked from who we depend on. So God uses our pain for that. So now that we've established that God is working in us and he's doing something in us in our pain, um, we get to number three in our notes. God uses challenging times to work through you. So not only is he doing something in our hearts and he's doing something in our lives in the midst of our suffering and in our challenges, but he's actually using that pain and those challenges to reach others and reach people outside of us um, to, to know him and to, to ultimately love him. And so uh, as I think about how God works through pain, I couldn't help but think of my friend Brennan um, a, about 10 years ago, when I was in high school, um, there was a kid in our church who uh, loved Jesus. He, we were close with his family. And at nine years old, he was diagnosed with a, a terminal cancer. And during these moments where we find uh, a child who has cancer, um, cancer in general, but these, these are tough times. And, it, and it's very, very hard to see how in the world this could be a good thing and how God can use this for a good thing, even though he promises that he's working all things for good. How can we say that about um, a child who has cancer? And so this was uh, a really a, a sobering time for our faith community and our church and our friends. Um, we kind of stopped the 
selfish um, pursuits of ourselves to really focus in on Brennan and say, oh my gosh, you know, this is someone in our church we love and we know. And so the church rallied around Brennan through this time at the beginning in, in prayer and support. And we just really were shaken to our core. And from the beginning of his diagnosis, he was constantly, constantly using his pain and his circumstances to point people back to Jesus. Um, there'll be a picture right here, but you'll see he has a shirt that's, that he would always wear, and it's Philippians 4.13 he would have on it. And he always, throughout his two-year battle with cancer, uh, pointed people back to Jesus. And he was, he was quiet and he was humble, um, but... He was dying of cancer, and he, and he knew that, but he was okay with it because he, his hope was fully in Jesus, and his, his joy was not found in the circumstances of health or of what could come, but his hope and his joy was found in what he knew was to come and what our ultimate joy is in Christ. And so he, would, he, he could say full-heartedly that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so this story kind of grew and, and it be, went beyond our church family, actually. And now our county and our city began to recognize Brennan's story and they saw Brennan's story and his, his story exploded. It made national news. And the whole time, Brennan constantly would say, thank you for praying for me. Um, I know that I'm secure and I have my hope in Jesus. And he would always point people back to Jesus. Um, and despite Brennan's, Brennan's circumstances, and despite cancer, God was using Brennan to reach other people, people who had never stepped foot in a church, people who had never heard the gospel. How can you listen to a nine-year-old saying, Jesus is better than cancer, um, and not have some kind of connection and see the beauty of God? And so Brennan used his circumstances to reach people. And it's, it's, it's inspiring, and we tell a story in his legacy of suffering well lives on today. He touched so many lives, and I think he really encapsulates this verse in 2 Corinthians, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So this is huge. Um, Brennan ultimately rallied around other young kids who had cancer and their families. They built this community where they were able to support each other. And his suffering brought comfort to other people who were suffering. And so this is exactly what Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians, that our affliction, our pain, uh, is used so that we can comfort those in pain and those in need. And so... We see this in Jeremy Camp's story, in this story we're looking at today, his painful circumstances. He asked hundreds of thousands of people at his concert to pray and lift up his fiance. And this story has made the big screen. Now people are watching this story, they're hearing the song. His song reached millions of people. And how many people do you think that song was able to reach? And when they were going through suffering, that they were able to, wait a minute, my hope is not in this world, let me fix my eyes to Jesus, that despite everything, I still believe in your faithfulness. And so our pain and our suffering, just like Brennan's, just like Jeremy, and, and so many others can be used to glorify God and to ultimately point people to a greater reality, that this isn't it. This, this world, this broken world is not the end of the story. And so, yes, is there brokenness? Is there cancer? Absolutely. These are 
signs of the fall of man, but there's redemption in Christ and he brings eternal life to uh, us and, and our pain. And despite our circumstances, we hope in that. And, and Brennan and so many others hope in that. And so can we say that's our, where our hope is today, is our hope in the things around us? Because joy and happiness are different. Joy is putting our hope and our faith in something that will never fail us. Therefore, we can always have joy. Just in the middle of cancer, we can have joy in Christ because we know he's not going to fail us. If we put our hope and our faith in science, if we put in medical doctors and in the world around us, these people, are they're going to fail us. These uh, circumstances will fail us because it's the product of a broken world. So we look to the things that are unseen and we put our hope in him. All of these are examples of God working through our pain. He uses our challenge to work, challenges to work through us. God is such an infinite and otherworldly kind of God that we can't even comprehend that. He's simultaneously working in us to make us more holy and also working outside of us using our pain to reach others for the gospel. He's doing a huge work. And this is important. This means that he's not sitting back saying, well, whatever happens, happens. They're on their own. He, this means he's actually active in our pain. And so we trust in that. Um, Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is the great paradox, the great irony of Christianity and the Christian walk, is that you're going to lose your life to find it and to save it. You're going to be weak so that you can be strong. And this is how Jesus lived. He died a, a perfect death for us. He became the ultimate sign of weakness in the world's eyes so that he could be the ultimate strength in God's eyes. His weakness uh, brought us the ultimate strength. And so in the same way, our hardships, can we say that, that our persecutions, our calamities um, for the sake of Christ are worth it. And I'll take it all day long if it means that God is glorified and that I'm becoming more like him. Can we say that about our lives? It's in our weakness that the power of the gospel meets us. We can either lay down and beg God to take it away, which he might, he might do that. And you, we can absolutely pray those prayers. But if he doesn't, are we ready to suffer well? Are we ready to use our weaknesses to display his greatness? Here's number four. You can write this down. God promises to be with you. God promises to be with you. Look at the verse that we read in the beginning once again. John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Read that last part with me. I have conquered the world. You see, when Jesus spoke these words, he did so in the context that he was going to be returning to the Father. You see, he too would suffer a great deal. He would suffer a Roman crucifixion. It was an unbearable, it was an unimaginable pain. He would, he would cry tears. He would be in anguish. He would experience the worst pain that you can ever imagine. 
And by doing this, here's what it tells you. Here's how it comforts you. And that is that He relates to you in your pain. He relates to you in your anguish. He relates to you in your hurt and in your loss. He is with you and He understands your pain. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says that He is the great high priest who empathizes with us in our weakness because He experienced it too. Isn't it amazing to know that He did not just stay in heaven, you know, sitting on top of a fluffy cloud, but that God entered His creation and He put on human flesh and He put on human bones and He walked, He dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us, and He related to us in our pain. He experienced pain and the fact that he conquered the world means that although they tried to kill him God's redemptive plan was put into place it was set into motion through Jesus and Jesus rose from the grave and he is alive and because he is alive he is present he is present with you in your pain he is present with you in your hardship he is present with you with whatever you're going through right now whatever challenging time you are facing in fact, one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was that I will be with you always to the end of the age. And it's the same promise that he shares for you and for me today, that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will never abandon us and that he will always be present. Jesus understands your pain and he is present with you in your pain. And he's here to bring you comfort. He's here to remind you of your purpose and your calling. He's here to remind you that you are loved, that you are called, that you have purpose, that He has put within you a very specific calling on your life and He loves you. He's here to uphold you. He's here to dry away your tears. He's here to give you a shoulder to cry on, a pillow to scream into. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is with you and Jesus is present. If you're going through a difficult time right now, listen to me. Jesus is with you and He loves you and He cares about you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Now, I know so many of us right now are going through it. We're going through a difficult time. And just like the character in the movie, maybe we're asking some of those same questions. We are beating against the wind. We are crying out to God and we're saying, God, why? What are you doing in this? But just be encouraged by this, that God is doing a good work in you to make you more like Jesus, to form you into the character of Jesus, to mold you into Christ-likeness. And He's working through you so that you can comfort others around you, so that you can share your experiences with others, so that you can love and serve those who are also in pain and going through hardship. And Jesus has promised to be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's right by your side. He won't abandon you. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would help us in these challenging times that we're facing, God. All of us, Lord, at, at different you know, places, in different ways, we're all experiencing challenging times. But I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you might help us in it. I pray, God, that you would do a good work in and through us that you would make us more like Jesus, that you would form our character and grow us into maturity and into Christ-likeness, to love like Jesus and to have compassion like Jesus. I pray you would do a good work through us and that we might serve others, that we might have empathy and compassion for others, that we might offer up our shoulders to cry on and that we might share our experiences for others to glean from. 
And thank you, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that you would be present with us and that you would help us to see the different ways that you are with us, the ways that you are present, even in the middle of our hardship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everybody, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church. I'm so glad that you are spending some time uh, with us this morning so that we can worship together. We can sit under the teaching of God's Word. Uh, we can tap those keys or twiddle our thumbs and chat with one another and be in each other's lives. Even if it's just for 45 minutes or so, I'm really glad you're taking out the time to do this. And it's so important that we do. Uh, we are in a series called At The Movies, one of my personal favorite series that we do every single summer where we look at some of Hollywood's biggest blockbusters and we try to pull out some spiritual truths. I, I love this series because it's a fun and creative way just to proclaim some uh, gospel truths that we can apply to our lives. So it's been a lot of fun um, doing this. So today we're doing a movie called I Still Believe. Would you guys let me know in the comments, have you seen this movie yet? Have you seen it? It's all about uh, Jeremy Camp. It's based on a true story uh, of Jeremy Camp. If you did see it, would you let me know, did you enjoy the movie if you liked it? It was a real tearjerker if you, if you did. Uh, so this movie is all about Grammy-nominated artist Jeremy Camp. He's a very well-known gospel singer, Christian artist. Uh, chances are you probably have heard some of his songs. If you tune to any Christian radio at all, you probably are familiar with some of the songs, even if you don't know his name. Uh, let me give you guys some examples. Uh, I Still Believe, which is the title of the movie. It's one of his most popular songs. Walk by Faith. What about Overcome? Or My Desire? Uh, these are all songs, and trust me, if you don't know them by the titles, if you just listen to a few seconds of the chorus, I'm pretty sure you've heard some of these songs. He's a very popular, very well-known, very renowned uh, gospel musician and artist, and this movie is all about him. In this movie, it tracks basically his journey on becoming a Christian singer, artist, uh, or songwriter. And in this journey, he discovers and he meets the girl of his dreams who just so happens, her name just so happens to be Melissa, who just so happens to be the name of the girl of my dreams as well. And so he meets this girl, Melissa, and she rocks his world, right? And he falls in love with her and he's pursuing her and desires to get to know her better and uh, to enter into a relationship and eventually get married. Well, in this journey, they, as they fall in love, they discover that she happens to have a tumor in her stomach. She's rushed to the hospital uh, and it just turns out that that tumor actually tested to be cancerous. And that cancer is stage three and has already begun to spread to other parts of her body, including her liver. The diagnosis is grave because it seems like the girl of his dreams doesn't have very much longer to live. Their world is rocked. And in their journey, they wonder why, they ask questions, and they ask themselves that question, why? Why is this happening? They have a slew of different types of emotions, They're between being scared and being fearful to being challenged and having all these doubts and fears and questions because of this situation. Their world is rocked. Did you ever feel that way? Have you ever had your world rocked in that sense? 
Maybe you've asked yourself this question, like, why is this happening? You felt like your world is being turned upside down and you feel scared and you feel fearful and, and you have all these questions and these doubts. Maybe you too discovered that you have a sickness or perhaps you were laid off from your job. Or, or maybe uh, there's this family strife that's going on. There's this, you know, people that you love very close to you in the family, in your close family or extended. And there's all this fighting and bickering and arguing. There's all this strife that's happening. There's relationship issues, perhaps, with that significant other. Or in, uh, in your marriage, there's all this issues and arguing and, and all this strife that you're dealing with. Perhaps you're struggling financially. You've struggled financially. And you've had to deal with that, with the loss of a wage or lack of money. Maybe it's even personal, emotional hurt. You know, for some of you guys, this is not a far off memory. It's not something that, you know, you experience once upon a time. It, perhaps it's something that you're experiencing right now. Because after all, right now we find ourselves in the crosshairs of a pandemic. We're dealing with quarantines and sickness and there's the fear of this sickness there's social isolation as we are having to be social distance and stay at a distance from one another and that that plays a number on, on us as we're not meant to be living in such isolation normalcy is out of the window the routines you know going to the gym working out eating right everything has been turned upside down every time every sense of normalcy every type of routine that we've had in place school is not going to be the same my kids are are going back to school September 2nd, but they won't be going into a physical building. They're gonna be beginning, once again, remote learning. So even that is not the same, the job is not the same, so on and so forth. What about locally here in New York City? There's social unrest, there's a rise in crime, there's guns on these streets, you know, that akin to the New York City of the 70s and 80s that's happening right now. There's bad police and community relations right? There's so much going on. Innocent lives are being taken every single day. There's all this going on, all this calamity. You know, and perhaps you wonder why. Perhaps you think to yourself, like, why is this going on? Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through these challenging times? Right? You're thinking to yourself all these questions. And maybe among those questions, maybe you're even having questions of faith. Like, what is God doing? Why is God permitting this? Where is God right now? And what is He going to do through all of this? These are all legitimate questions. And let me just tell you guys that those questions are okay. You know, God is not in heaven saying, man, why are they doubting? Why are they having these questions? He's not rocked by your questions. God is okay with your questions and even welcomes them. And as a community, as, a follow, as followers of Christ, as, as the body of Christ, we want to tackle these questions and we want to try to answer them. And today we're going to allow this movie to kind of frame you know, our next couple of discussions. And we're going to talk about this because I really believe that God's word has some encouragement. So if you're, if you're ready, you can take notes, write this down. Number one is that challenging times are inevitable. Challenging times are inevitable. Now, perhaps this is something that you don't really need a reminder of, right? You're like, Danny, I know you're inevitable because I'm going through it right now. And I understand that. But it is true. And however, maybe you do need the reminder because oftentimes when we're going through it, it's, it's so easy for us to think to ourselves like we're the only one that's going through it. You ever thought that? Like, man, nobody else can relate to me. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. Nobody else understands the struggle. Everybody else's life is fine and dandy and I am going through it right now. No one understands. And that's why it's so important that we even have this reminder that challenging times are inevitable. 
You see, challenging times or suffering in this world is inevitable. It will happen. I say this all the time. You've either just gone through it or going through it or you will go through it. I mean, I remember saying that just weeks before the pandemic and it's true now. And look where we're at. We're all going through it. That's it is inevitable, challenging times, suffering, difficulty. It is inevitable. It's just a matter of when. There's a passage in the, in the scriptures where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he was talking about the suffering to come. He was talking about the suffering that they would go through and the difficulties that they would go through and the persecution that they would face. He was even hinting at his own suffering and how eventually he would be returning to the Father, which meant that he would have to go, uh, you know, the journey of the Via Dolorosa, right? Of the, of, the, of the struggle, of the challenge, of the crucifixion. And he was talking about these challenging times and he said this. We read it in John chapter 16, verse 33. Would you guys read it along? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. If you guys like to take notes in your Bible, of your journaling, or following along in the notes today, I would invite you guys to go ahead and underline where it says, so that in me you may have peace. That you may have peace. Because you see, this is what I'm praying for each and every single one of us today. I'm praying that we might experience peace. That despite all the calamity, all the noise, all the challenges, all the suffering that we see in the world and happening to us, I'm praying that we might experience peace. That we might experience a supernatural peace that can only be downloaded straight from God. That it makes no sense because of the calamity we see all around us. But it is a peace that, as the scriptures say, and Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, that it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, that it doesn't make sense, but we experience it and we have it because of Jesus. And the peace that we can have, Jesus says, is because He has conquered the world. In other words, what that means is that the battle is won. We may be in the middle of the war, but the battle is won. And Jesus is victorious. And one day, all is going to be restored. Every, all of mankind will be redeemed. There will be the redemption of sin for all, for all mankind, for all those that have put their faith in Jesus. That one day, like we mentioned last week, that there's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering. And Jesus has already won. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life. He died the death on the cross for your sin and for mine. And He rose from the grave so that in His victory, we too may be victorious. And that's what he's saying by the fact that he has conquered the world. Challenging times, guys, are inevitable. But I'm praying that we might have peace in it. Now the question you might be having is, while these challenging times are inevitable, what is God doing through it? What is he doing in my life? What is he doing in me and through me throughout this process? I've invited Hunter to help us answer that question. So if you're ready, would you welcome Hunter, and he's going to continue the message from here. So in this movie, we get a small glimpse of Jeremy and his wife's uh, story and the things that they've gone through, their challenging circumstances, um, from the picture-perfect life to their uh, diagnosis, to grief, to pray, prayer, to praise. And so we see this constant journey of, of, of working, of God working in their lives. 
And so that's number two in our notes. God uses challenging times to work in you. So he's working in us during times of suffering and and challenging times. Um, And so this is very important because this means that there's purpose in our pain. There's purpose in our suffering. Um, And this sets Christianity and our faith apart from atheism, from agnosticism, because on that end, they would say, we would both agree that there are suffering, there's pain in our world. Um, But they would say it's random and it has no meaning. God, on the other hand, has something different to say about this. He is using our pain and our suffering, our challenging times, to do something in us. And so we, we find in James 1, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so this is huge. Uh, There's something about suffering and brokenness that causes and forces people to look beyond their immediate circumstances. It it makes our gaze go to heaven because whenever we realize that um, we don't have control of the things that surround us, that maybe our life isn't as perfect as we planned it out to be, then we have this moment of reckoning where we, we become dependent on something outside of the world and outside of ourselves. And so... Um, We look to God when things start to crumble around us. Um, Take, for example, 9-11, September 11th. Take a diagnosis, cancer, just like in this story, Um, COVID-19. These moments in our lives and and culturally have have weight to them. And we've seen over and over again that when these events happen, um, people cry out. People who have never even stepped foot in a church cry out, what is happening? They know that our world is broken. And so uh, I think we can all resonate, and I think a lot of people have resonated with this verse in Psalm 10, and it says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Isn't that how a lot of us feel? That's our first response is when things don't go our way and, and challenges come our way, where are you, God? Why did you abandon us? Where are you? And that's, that's the question that David wrote, King David you know, the great King David, he wrote these words at, at a low point in, in his life and things that were happening to him. Um, but we're not alone in asking God, where are you? What are you doing? Um, if we look at a biblical narrative, we find these characters, Job, Joseph, Jonah, King David, Paul, Peter, and we could go on and on. Ultimately, even Jesus asked the question, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? And so, you know, we're not alone in that questioning, and I hope you take comfort in the fact that even the heroes of the faith came to a point where they, they were faced with challenging times and suffering, and they still had these moments of doubt, and so we can wrestle with that. Um, ten of the disciples were martyred. They were killed because they followed Jesus, but these biblical figures trusted Jesus whenever he said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, and so God is doing something in whenever our pain comes. Obviously, he, he's used these figures of the faith to do uh, amazing things for, for his kingdom. And so in this verse in James, when he says, consider it great joy when you experience these trials, um, he's writing to a people in a, in a Christian faith who have been killed off because of their faith. They're separated from each other. Uh, I think we can all relate to that. We're separated right now. Um, and so they're isolated and, and they're 
really questioning, is it worth it to keep going? And so he says, no, guys, consider a joy that you're experiencing these trials. Um, not, and, and notice he doesn't say, just put up with it until you die, until you can get to heaven. Um, he doesn't say that. He says, it's a joy. And I know that's, that's a little bit, it's not a bumper sticker verse, count it all joy. You know, someone comes with you with a problem. They say, man, would you pray for this? You don't immediately say, oh, well, consider it joy, you know? Oh, that diagnosis, consider it joy. Um, it's not an easy pill to swallow. But we even see in Hebrews, we read that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So there is something happening in our pain and our grief as it relates to joy and that the joy that's coming and the joy we can have in the midst of our pain. So James writes that the suffering we're enduring, the challenges we're facing are creating something. It's testing our faith and it's producing endurance. And so what is this endurance for? It's, it's making our faith stronger. It's always fixing our eyes on Jesus because when we can't control things, that's where we go. And so God is doing something in our challenges. So what do Job, Joseph, Jonah, King David, Paul, and numerous other heroes of the faith have in common? They had a hard life for the glory of God. They were faced with challenges. They were killed because of their faith. We see how Job's faith increased, how at the beginning he said, Lord, take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And then at the end of it, he has become and developed a character in him and a, a reverence for God to say, wow, who am I? Who am I to answer to you, Lord? And so these are the things that God is doing in us. He's working in us in our challenging times to make us more holy, to uh, fix our eyes on him. And so God is using these challenging times to work in us. He's softening our hearts. Um, he's tearing down the kingdoms we've built for ourselves and pointing us back to his kingdom. Um, instead, of, instead of saying, this, is, this might sound crazy, but instead of saying, when will this be over, when challenging times come, when suffering comes, would we dare ask, where do I see you working, God, despite these challenges? Would we ask that about him? Because if, I think if we ask him and we are not looking for an escape immediately from these pain and suffering, but saying, God, where are you working? Because he's working in times of suffering. What would we see and how would our faith change because of that? God uses our pain to shake us awake to the reality that he's all we need. He shakes us awake to our total dependence on him, even when we think and we've gotten sidetracked from who we depend on. So God uses our pain for that. So now that we've established that God is working in us and he's doing something in us in our pain, um, we get to number three in our notes. God uses challenging times to work through you. So not only is he doing something in our hearts and he's doing something in our lives in the midst of our suffering and in our challenges, but he's actually using that pain and those challenges to reach others and reach people outside of us um, to, to know him and to, to ultimately love him. And so uh, as I think about how God works through pain, I couldn't help but think of my friend Brennan. Um, a, about 10 years ago when I was in high school, um, there was a kid in our church who uh, loved Jesus. He, we were close with his family. And at nine years old, he was diagnosed with a, a terminal cancer. And during these moments where we find uh, a child who has cancer, 
um, cancer in general, but these, these are tough times and, it, and it's very, very hard to see how in the world this could be a good thing and how God can use this for a good thing. Even though he promises that he's working all things for good, how can we say that about um, a child who has cancer? And so this was uh, a really a, a sobering time for our faith community and our church and, and our friends. Um, we kind of stopped the uh, selfish um, pursuits of ourselves to really focus in on Brennan and say, oh my gosh, you know, this is someone in our church we love and we know. And so the church rallied around Brennan through this time at the beginning in, in prayer and support, and we just really were shaken to our core. And from the beginning of his diagnosis, he was constantly, constantly using his pain and his circumstances to point people back to Jesus. Um, there'll be a picture right here, but you'll see he has a shirt that's, that he would always wear, and it's Philippians 4.13 he would have on it. And he always, throughout his two-year battle with cancer, uh, pointed people back to Jesus, and he was he was quiet and he was humble, um, but he was dying of cancer, and he and he knew that, but he was okay with it because he his hope was fully in Jesus, and his his joy was not found in the circumstances of health or of what could come, but his hope and his joy was found in what he knew was to come and what our ultimate joy is in Christ, and so he would. He, he could say full-heartedly that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so this story kind of grew and, and it be, went beyond our church family, actually. And now our county and our city began to recognize Brennan's story. And they saw Brennan's story. And his, his story exploded. It made national news. And the whole time, Brennan constantly would say, thank you for praying for me. Um, I know that I'm secure and I have my hope in Jesus. And he would always point people back to Jesus. Um, and despite Brennan's, Brennan's circumstances and despite cancer, God was using Brennan to reach other people, people who had never stepped foot in a church, people who had never heard the gospel. How can you listen to a nine-year-old saying, Jesus is better than cancer, um, and not have some kind of connection and see the beauty of God? And so Brennan used his circumstances to reach people and it's, it's, it's inspiring, and we tell a story, and his legacy of suffering well lives on today. He touched so many lives, and I think he really encapsulates this verse in 2 Corinthians. Uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our afflictions why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So this is huge. Um, Brennan ultimately rallied around other young kids who had cancer and their families. They built this community where they were able to support each other. And his suffering brought comfort to other people who were suffering. And so this is exactly what Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians, that our affliction, our pain, uh, is used so that we can comfort those in pain and those in need. And so we see this in Jeremy, Jeremy Camp's story. In this story we're, we're, we're looking at today, his painful circumstances, he asked hundreds of thousands of people at his concert to pray and, and lift up his fiance. And this story has made the big screen. Now people are watching this story. They're hearing the song. His song reached millions of people. And how many people do you think that song was able to reach and, and when they were going through suffering that they were able to wait a minute my hope is not in this world let me fix my eyes to Jesus that despite 
everything, I still believe in your faithfulness. And so our pain and our suffering, just like Brennan's, just like Jeremy, and, and so many others can be used to glorify God and to ultimately point people to a greater reality that this isn't it. This, this world, this broken world is not the end of the story. And so, yes, is there brokenness? Is there cancer? Absolutely. These are signs of the fall of man, but there's redemption in Christ and he brings eternal life to uh, us and, and our pain. And despite our circumstances, we hope in that. And, and Brennan and so many others hope in that. And so can we say that's our, where our hope is today? Is our hope in the things around us? Because joy and happiness are different. Joy is putting our hope and our faith in something that will never fail us. Therefore, we can always have joy. Just in the middle of cancer, we can have joy in Christ because we know he's not going to fail us. If we put our hope and our faith in science, if we put in medical doctors and in the world around us, these people are, they're going to fail us. These uh, circumstances will fail us because it's the product of a broken world. So we look to the things that are unseen and we put our hope in him. All of these are examples of God working through our pain. He uses our challenge to work, challenges to work through us. God is such an infinite and otherworldly kind of God that we can't even comprehend that. He's simultaneously working in us to make us more holy and also working outside of us using our pain to reach others for the gospel. He's doing a huge work. And this is important. This means that he's not sitting back saying, well, whatever happens, happens. They're on their own. This means he's actually active in our pain. And so we trust in that. Um, Paul writes, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And this is the great paradox, the great irony of Christianity and the Christian walk, is that you're going to lose your life to find it and to save it. You're going to be weak so that you can be strong. And this is how Jesus lived. He died a, a perfect death for us. He became the ultimate sign of weakness in the world's eyes so that he could be the ultimate strength in God's eyes. His weakness uh, brought us the ultimate strength. And so in the same way, our hardships, can we say that, that our persecutions, our calamities um, for the sake of Christ are worth it. And I'll take it all day long if it means that God is glorified and that I'm becoming more like him. Can we say that about our lives? It's in our weakness that the power of the gospel meets us. We can either lay down and beg God to take it away, which he might, he might do that. And you, we can absolutely pray those prayers. But if he doesn't, are we ready to suffer well? Are we ready to use our weaknesses to display his greatness? Here's number four. You can write this down. God promises to be with you. God promises to be with you. Look at the verse that we read in the beginning once again. John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Read that last part with me. I have conquered the world. You see, when Jesus spoke these words, he did so in the context that he was going to be returning to the Father. 
You see, he too would suffer a great deal. He would suffer a Roman crucifixion. It was an unbearable, it was an unimaginable pain. He would, he would cry tears. He would be in anguish. He would experience the worst pain that you can ever imagine. And by doing this, here's what it tells you. Here's how it comforts you. And that is that he relates to you in your pain. He relates to you in your anguish. He relates to you in your hurt and in your loss. He is with you and he understands your pain. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says that he is the great high priest who empathizes with us in our weakness because he experienced it too. Isn't it amazing to know that he did not just stay in heaven, you know, sitting on top of a fluffy cloud, but that God entered his creation and he put on human flesh and he put on human bones and he walked, he dwelt among us, Emmanuel, God with us, and he related to us in our pain. He experienced pain and the fact that he conquered the world means that although they tried to kill him God's redemptive plan was put into place it was set into motion through Jesus and Jesus rose from the grave and he is alive and because he is alive he is present he is present with you in your pain he is present with you in your hardship he is present with you with whatever you're going through right now whatever challenging time you are facing in fact, one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was that I will be with you always to the end of the age. And it's the same promise that he shares for you and for me today, that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will never abandon us and that he will always be present. Jesus understands your pain and he is present with you in your pain. And he's here to bring you comfort. He's here to remind you of your purpose and your calling. He's here to remind you that you are loved, that you are called, that you have purpose, that he has put within you a very specific calling on your life and he loves you. He's here to uphold you. He's here to dry away your tears. He's here to give you a shoulder to cry on, a pillow to scream into. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is with you and Jesus is present. If you're going through a difficult time right now, listen to me. Jesus is with you and he loves you and he cares about you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Now, I know so many of us right now are going through it. We're going through a difficult time. And just like the character in the movie, maybe we're asking some of those same questions. We are beating against the wind. We are crying out to God and we're saying, God, why? What are you doing in this? But just be encouraged by this, that God is doing a good work in you to make you more like Jesus, to form you into the character of Jesus, to mold you into Christ-likeness. And He's working through you so that you can comfort others around you, so that you can share your experiences with others, so that you can love and serve those who are also in pain and going through hardship. And Jesus has promised to be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's right by your side. He won't abandon you. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would help us in these challenging times that we're facing, God. All of us, Lord, at, at different you know, places, in different ways, we're all experiencing challenging times. But I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you might help us in it. I pray, God, that you would do a good work in and through us that you would make us more like Jesus, that you would form our character and grow us into maturity and into Christ-likeness, 
to love like Jesus and to have compassion like Jesus. I pray you would do a good work through us and that we might serve others, that we might have empathy and compassion for others, that we might offer up our shoulders to cry on and that we might share our experiences for others to glean from. And thank you, Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that you would be present with us and that you would help us to see the different ways that you are with us, the ways that you are present, even in the middle of our hardship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.